Advancing innovative research, academic excellence, and family-centered care to transform outcomes for children around the world. Children's Mercy Kansas City presents the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. So our topic today is the decision to withhold life-sustaining medical treatment for children. My guest is Dr. Brian Carter. Dr. Carter is a neonatologist and a pediatric bioethicist at Children's Mercy Kansas City. Dr. Carter, welcome to the show. Well, good morning. Let's go ahead and start off. I'd like for you to kind of frame this discussion for us. So I want to just kind of ask you, why is this topic important to you? Well, uh, first of all, as an uh a neonatologist uh, working in an ICU and a hospital-based physician. Uh, we deal with many conditions in childhood uh, for which, despite our best efforts, uh, medicine reaches its limit of uh, capability to perhaps affect cure or resolve overwhelming illness in children. And in those situations, it's necessary to consider what we are doing and whether it is working to the benefit of the child or if it's prolonging uh, agony, perhaps even prolonging a dying process, and what would be the kind, compassionate, and humane action that uh, physicians and other team members should take towards uh, discussing and effecting uh, decisions towards the withdrawal of life-sustaining medical treatment. This isn't a, a frequent event, if you will, uh, but it's not so infrequent as to not require uh, some attention and standardization of approach. And that's is that maybe one of the problems right now is that there really isn't a, a standardized way to approach this decision-making process? Is that one of the issues we need to address? Well, it is... Uh, Perhaps a piece of that, Dr. Mike, it's, it's also the, uh, the matter uh, pertains to the adult population, so it's not unique to pediatrics. Uh, however, uh, it as, uh, has been stated in, in previous uh, venues uh, by numerous people, it's, it's in, uh, inappropriate or seemingly out of season. It's untimely any time a child dies. And so uh, the emotions, the difficulties, the communication, uh, the words chosen, and the process towards decision-making in a compassionate fashion uh, becomes doubly uh, concerning when dealing with children uh, compared to adults. Uh, yeah. There have been standards set. There have been recommendations. And in recent, uh, the, just this past uh, year, 2017, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, revisited uh, withdrawal of uh, life-sustaining medical treatment uh, statement that was originally published in 1994. So who, what, let's talk a little bit about that decision-making process. Then. What, what is actually involved in, in, this, in this process? And even like who should be providing the input and, and how many people should be involved in this process? Well, it's something we need to be careful of so that it's not a, uh, a large number of healthcare professionals uh, sitting in a room with uh, a parent or a couple of parents uh, in what appears or can be sensed as an overwhelming um, us-against-them uh, setting. Uh, it needs to be done sensitively, but also with regard to appropriate personnel 
typically the, the responsibility falls on the attending physician, but he or she may have an accompaniment, uh, a trainee, a resident or a fellow physician, uh, perhaps a consulting uh, physician if this is a primary intensivist who is the attending uh, physician, she may ask the uh, child neurologist to be present or perhaps a cardiothoracic surgeon or other subspecialist who's been involved in the case and the care of the child uh, to convey uh, with a singular voice uh, the concerns and the need to address uh, this most grievous of decisions. In addition to parents and uh, the attending physician uh, or, as I noted, a consultant, uh, there may well be a primary bedside nurse. Uh, There may be a social worker or a chaplain. Uh, There oftentimes are extended family members, if the parents so choose, or perhaps even clergy, whether that's community clergy or a hospital chaplain, as noted. So a conversation should involve uh, these interested parties Uh, but the principal uh, decision-making process should be shared between the attending physician and the parents. So when you look at the the medical advancements we've made, you know, with diagnosis and treatment, how has that played into making that decision to withhold life-sustaining treatment? Well, uh, you ask about withholding life-sustaining treatment, and that may clearly be uh, distinct from initiating life-sustaining treatment and then subsequently withdrawing it. When we choose to withhold, it is because there's uh, no perceived benefit or a life-sustaining treatment that uh, perhaps parents have read about or seen on the Internet or spoken with other uh, friends and family about Uh, is visited as a possibility but then determined not to be more beneficial than, in fact, burdensome or, frankly, harmful. Indeed, there are some instances in which someone might make a suggestion about, well, why don't we try this, whether it's assisted ventilation, dialysis, uh, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, or ECMO, or other uh, significant technologic uh, advances that have come along in the last 20 or 30 years. And the reason why it may not be tried is because, A, it uh, would not be indicated, has not been proven to be beneficial in such instances, uh, or B, uh, would be fraught with more complication than likely benefit. And that oftentimes is a, a clinical decision, but it's also a decision that's informed by what the family perceives as an acceptable burden of care uh, or what risk they're willing to take with their child's health condition versus accepting that medicine has reached its limit and they don't want to protract a dying process or try something else because the condition the child is in or that he or she has endured uh, perhaps for days, weeks, or months. Withdrawing such uh, technologies once they have been offered is a similar discussion, but what's usually afforded by a therapeutic treatment trial and initiating uh, such life-sustaining therapies is an attempt to determine whether or not it can meet the goals for which it was started. And if it cannot, then the same conversation uh, that might have preceded uh, withholding is now held with a view towards the last few days, weeks, or months in which we see that the treatment trial has not met the goals or has been confronted with complications 
and then clinicians and families will make a decision to withdraw. So, Dr. Carter, how do you handle the difficult situation where uh, maybe the family doesn't agree with foregoing life-sustaining care? Well, uh, it is a difficult situation and causes tension not only within a family but also across healthcare teams. And there's oftentimes engagement of uh, specialists in ethics or palliative medicine or perhaps uh, behavioral health, social workers, clergy, chaplaincy, psychologists, uh, to better understand where the disruption uh, lies, also to uh, help in a negotiative process if there can uh, be uh, a singular voice that is ultimately attained. Uh, But that's not always possible despite our best efforts. And generally speaking, uh, in America, we do not practice unilateral uh, decisions whereby the healthcare team decides to withhold or withdraw care without parental permission. So these issues are fleshed out, they're explored uh, by these consultants, as noted, uh, and the value of ongoing communication, time, and supportive uh, personnel. Uh, oftentimes then leads to an agreed-upon decision. So in summary, Dr. Carter, what would you like people to know about the decision to withhold life-sustaining medical treatment? Perhaps the most important thing to understand is such a decision is never taken lightly. Uh, By and large, uh, pediatricians of, of all specialties and general pediatricians in the community practice with a goal of promoting a child's health, Uh, helping parents attain uh, care for their child that seeks the child's best interests. And we generally are able to uh, do that. Uh, The presumption of benefit um, underlies much of our uh, care, and the benefit is then uh, towards uh, life-sustaining treatments. But on occasion, uh, we are not able to attain those goals, and we have to wrestle with difficult decisions. Uh, When those decisions have to be made, we can turn to uh, publications like the American Academy of Pediatrics guidance on foregoing life-sustaining medical treatment. We can discuss these issues amongst uh, clinicians, with ethicists, with palliative care consultants, and openly with families taking time to appropriately address what is uh, truly uh, the best decision possible in a grievous situation. Dr. Carter, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing at Children's Mercy, and also thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.